The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done it again! Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What is Derrick Henry worth in Dynasty Trades? Looking at some May average draft position on NFC. And of course, giving you the latest around the NFL with the best fantasy football podcast around. I'm Clint Capella. That's John Collins. That's Trey Young. We are the Atlanta Hawks. No, we are the fantasy football today crew. Our buddy Adam Mazur not here. He's a little salty over the Knicks losing to the Hawks in the first game of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Obviously, I'm Jamie. That's Dave. That's Heath. And we got a lot to get to and a fun show for you today. Before we get into the uh, trades that are going on in our Dynasty rookie-only draft, we're going to talk about some uh, early look at, I guess early look, we're, we're, we're May, so it's early. So a look at the NFC average draft position. Before we get into that, Heath, give me a quick explanation about what NFC is and what this average draft position is from. Yeah, what NFC actually stands for is National Fantasy Championship, and they run contests worth lots of dollars to to be the the best fantasy player on their site. Um, And they have best ball contests. They have super flex contests. The ADP we're using today is basically all drafts that they have hosted since the beginning of May that do not include auctions. So it includes best ball ADP. It includes... Super flex ADP, and and so the important thing to remember is when we're talking about quarterbacks, it's probably more important where the quarterback is being drafted amongst the quarterbacks as opposed to where the quarterback is being drafted in in terms of round value. So, Dave, who's your favorite player right now to draft based on the NFC ADP in May? I love the value that you can get on Chase Claypool, where you can draft him well outside of the top 24 wide receivers. His ADP is right around 70th overall, so that's a round six pick. And I know there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Steelers offense. I know they're talking about changing it up, and they have to change up after what they did last year. But they drew up designer plays just for Chase Claypool in the red zone and out of the red zone. I think they do more of that. I think his size-speed combination is going to give defenses a lot of trouble, and I think Roethlisberger likes receivers like that. So I think he's one I'm targeting if I can get him in late round six. He is the number 27 wide receiver off the board again, according to the NFC ADP. Some wide receivers going ahead of him. Uh, Brandon Ayuk at 24, Cooper Cup 25, Tyler Lockett 26. Some guys going just after him. Jamar Chase, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark. Is he your favorite Steelers wide receiver? He is a non-PPR. and full PPR, I can't pull the trigger on it. I'll still take Deontay first. Heath, who's your favorite Steelers wide receiver? Yeah, I'm going to go with Deontay, I believe, in both, actually. And Claypool, I think, is third for me in both formats. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how they d- divide up the targets because Claypool has to see a boost in his target share from last year because we know the touchdown regression's coming. He's not going to score on 9% of his targets. So he needs to see his targets go up and either Juju's or Deontay's go down. I'm not really projecting that right now. And obviously, a lot of his production came in a couple of games last year. So we'll see if if Claypool can spread it out a little bit more over the course of the season. Heath, who is your favorite player uh, based on the ADP right now? 
I feel like this has to be an error, and I'm going to say it, and someone's going to tell me why it's not actually this, but Taysom Hill is the number 30 quarterback being drafted, and and we talk about it all the time, and, and maybe the two-quarterback thing factors into this a little bit, but in a one-quarterback league, once you get past the top, I would say 10 or 11, maybe it's 12 or 13, really all you should care about is upside. Their floor doesn't matter at that point. And Taysom Hill, if he wins the starting job, we don't really know. I think the betting markets have Jameis Winston as a slight favorite, but Sean Payton's the only one who really matters. If he wins that job, he has top six upside. We saw that when he played last year. And so he's going behind a handful of quarterbacks that I don't want even in two quarterback leagues, really. So that is my favorite value. And and did you see the quarterback ADPs just across the board? They're a lot higher than I would expect them to be. It seems like in the NFCs, people are kind of going a little reachy for quarterbacks. Well, that's because this includes best ball and super flex or two QB drafts. This is all drafts they've hosted. Okay. That's fine. And so, and so obviously in super flex quarterbacks are going to go higher, but in best ball, Heath, your experience is that quarterbacks tend to go sooner there. Second quarterbacks definitely go sooner. That Um, I get. So it kind of pushes everything up, I think. Yeah, but, but then why is Taysom Hill still so far down? Just because he. Well, I mean, it's interesting when you when you look at the guys that are around him. First off, Jameis Winston's at twenty five, so both Saints quarterbacks are clearly relatively low, uh, going after what would be the starting group twenty four quarterbacks in a, in a twelve team league. Whether it's one quarterback or two quarterbacks, uh, they're in the third group. If it's a one quarterback league, it's then they're in the second group. Uh, if they're in a two quarterback league, as the third quarterback. But guys that are going around Taysom Hill. Uh, the three guys ahead of him, Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and the three guys after him, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton, and Trey Lance. So if you do wait on quarterback and you end up with a couple of these guys and they end up as starters, whether it's the 49ers pair or getting Taysom Hill as the Saints starter, you could be in really good shape. <laughs> Knowing what Taysom Hill as the, did as a starter during that uh, stretch of games that he started for Drew Brees last year when he was out with the rib injury. So we're going to get into a lot more ADP conversation, quarterbacks, different positions as well. But there's uh, Dave's favorite guy, Chase Claypool, Heath's favorite guy, Taysom Hill. Uh, maybe the guys will talk a little bit more about some ADP conversation uh, tomorrow as we're live on the FFT YouTube channel Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, answering all of your questions and uh, getting through some of more of the schedule conversation, looking at some of the things that have happened following the NFL draft, maybe talking about the Tampa Bay running back situation, some news going on there. Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, still going to be a part of the uh, top duo for uh, Tampa Bay's backfield, but they'll get into some dynasty conversation as well. You can talk to Adam, Heath, and Chris at youtube.com slash fantasy football today, and they will be answering all of your questions. Again, that's youtube.com slash fantasy football today, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Subscribe to the channel, turn notifications on so you know exactly when they're live, when we're live, and we'll be able to talk to you tomorrow, YouTube. Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's Adam, Heath, and Chris. I'm sure uh, Heath it's will a blast. have fun uh, food conversation going on as well. That's dinner time for uh, most people. Heath will have eaten his dinner, I'm sure, at 5 p.m. Yep. Uh, after getting it'll, through uh, some of that stuff. It'll so, probably have been in his smoker for the like previous 24 hours before that. I started uh, to catch some flack from people like talking about how I moved, live in South Florida, and so now I eat the early bird special for dinner. But the new fad uh, is the intermittent fasting. I'm just I'm calling it the intermittent fasting dinner. So you eat earlier so that you can still have breakfast the next day. Yeah, yeah that's good, what you good, had to do. But it's got to be like a 5 p.m. dinner, like super early bird or for that. 5 to 5.30 most days. Okay, that's fine. And that's good. And then you're just not eating between like as soon as you're done with dinner until breakfast the next day. If you're a breakfast person, that's the way you have to do intermittent fasting. So it's good that you're spinning that because I want to hear you're going to spin this uh, Derek Henry trade that you made in our uh, rookie-only draft. 
Uh, so we're in the middle of, uh, I think we're at, we just started round three, or we just at the end of round two. I don't even know where we are at this point. I believe uh, we are at the start of round three, and we got six three. rounds. So and it's been going on for about a week. Yeah, uh, It's a 14-team league. Uh, Dave won the league last year. I won at the league. Before. Right. Dave beat Heath in the championship game last year. And so uh, Dave's got a great team. Uh, I think my team's pretty good. Heath had a great team, but he has now decided to uh, strip its parts and and sell, sell, sell. And so there's been some trades going on. And uh, I think both of you guys made some really good trades. Dave, I think your trades were fantastic in the moves that you made. Uh, Heath, I think most of the trades that you made were fantastic, but I got to give you a hard time about the Derrick Henry one. So that's one that uh, I've actually, not the commissioner, just somebody who plays in the league. People have been texting me, what is he doing trading Derrick Henry <laughs> I, for 109 and 209? So ninth overall and 23rd overall. I don't think you got enough for Derrick Henry, but just uh, explain your, your thought process with this team and, and what you're doing. Here's the problem. I've had Derrick Henry on the trade block for a calendar year. And I got a text this morning from one of our league mates saying, how did you trade Derrick Henry for that much? I would have given you so much more. I've sent the guy four emails in the past year, and he's not made one offer for Derrick Henry. I've received a handful, maybe seven or eight offers. I offered for you a first-round pick for him last year. I right. did too. And But I again, your picks are going to suck every <laughs> year in this league. Yeah. There are six or seven teams that are going to have the first six or seven picks almost every year. And you guys are going to be in the last four picks. I often am as well. And in a 14-team league, pick 11 through 14 is not exciting. Now, pick nine is not exciting. What changed the math this year, and it worked out so well, was Devontae Smith, who I go back and forth, whether he's my number four, my number five, or my number six favorite player in this class, was still available at 1.9. I would not have, before the draft, traded Derrick Henry for this package. No way, no how. Um, I still didn't really love it, but you said I had a great team. I didn't have a great team. I snuck into the playoffs last year with a losing record and then won my way into the championship game. And it was a team that was built around Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon as my starting running backs. I had Miles Gaskin, who also did not draw a lot of appeal until I was able to trade him later in the uh, draft. Um, I, I really was afraid that I had a roster that, a year from now, Derrick Henry finally has his first big injury, and I don't have really any tradable assets. Right. So I I tore the whole thing down. I don't think I got enough for Derrick Henry. I got the most that I could. I think if you're trading, the only thing that I would disagree with is you needed to get, I think, if not a first-round pick next year, a second round pick thrown into it next year as well. Like something to help you next year. Because, so a one, a two, and another two? Yeah. Or if not a one and a one. Because like, I'll just give you an example. I was having a conversation with another uh, manager about a running back in the same range with Nick. Uh, it was Nick Chubb. So you guys figure out who it was. Um, and he was asking in return uh, two firsts. And I was like, I didn't want to part with two firsts personally at the time. Um, but it was something that I was considering. If you're, I think if you're going to trade – one of these caliber of players, and Henry's in that conversation, caliber players, superstar caliber players. And if you're in a rebuild mode, I think you got to get something close to a top 20 overall pick next year, if not in the top 10. Sure. But to Heath's point, what if he's been trying to do that for the longest time and just no one's biting because everybody and figures what Heath's figuring, which is Derrick Henry ain't going to do this forever. Eventually, he's going to take on an injury and he's going to be gone. Or the I, Titans will change their philosophy. It might not be for two more years or something like that. But it, 
Keith's perspective really changes the dynamic here. It, it appears it, that it was the same yeah. perspective you you guys had because you guys didn't not, neither one offered two firsts for Derrick Henry. I think that yeah, I, I, that's true. And again, um, I, you know, I only speak for myself. It's you know looking at the the long term versus the short term. And you know, my team is is very much ready to win now. Derrick Henry, I think, puts it over the top. But did I want to sacrifice next year's draft capital on on top of that? So it, it is a tough spot. And I, I, I the reason I, I wanted to bring this up is just trading in general when you are in a rebuild mode do you need to get more first round capital next year like dave you went through this mm-hmm. uh I, I think two years ago yeah it, it, and you got a lot of saying, first round capital right he what heath was saying about derrick henry and, and you know trying to hurry up and trade him before he goes bad he was giving me flashbacks to when i had Le'Veon bell and it was before Le'Veon bell turned into a pile of poo and now like i don't even know if he's rostered in this dynasty league he still might be to the team i traded him for but Hmm. I traded Bell in a package to get a one. And then I traded somebody else to get a one. I had three first round picks last year. And uh it, it made all the difference in the world. Yeah, I won the championship right after that. So combination of just getting lucky with a couple of other picks in my prior two years of drafting, really working hard on the waiver wire. And then I look, I don't even I think the first round picks last year were Cam Akers, Joe Burrow, and CeeDee Lamb. Lamb. Yeah, one of those yeah. was yours, obviously. Yes, the the first one was mine. I right. had a fourth pick. So, like that to me is how you go about a rebuild. Like Heath, I think right now you just have the fir- your own first round pick, right? Right. And no other tradable assets unless you're parting with Patrick Mahomes. No, but I to get, I also, to get a like, first round did, pick back. I did not get just Devontae Smith either. I used that two point nine to move back up. No, no, no I'm going to get to your right. other trades, but right. you and, and like I said, I think your other trades are fantastic. This one is it, it's questionable. It's not bad. It's just right. questionable of of, of the return. For Derrick Henry. So the other trades that you made, you traded Miles Gaskin for a first, which I think is a steal. I don't know if Miles Gaskin is worth a first. Yeah, that was that ball. was crazy. Yep. You offered me the same deal, and I was picking an 11, and I said I said no. Um, your other trade, you gave up Melvin Gordon for 16th overall. Another great trade. Um, had Melvin Gordon still been on your team and I was up at 25, I would have probably offered 25 for Melvin Gordon at that point. But 16 overall, great trade. And then you traded T.Y. Hilton, Hunter Henry, and 23rd overall, which is part of the package that you got for Derrick Henry for 15th overall so you got two picks in the top 15 and so the receivers that you came out with and they were all receivers you came out with Devonte smith rondell moore and elijah moore correct and Kadarius tony and Kadarius tony so those are your four picks essentially for derrick henry and all the things that you've done to trade so you have a good receiving core going into next year presumably if all these guys do hit and Devonte smith at number nine is well, a steal if all these guys hit he's going to win the league soon he, yeah, he, i think still. i think your goal is to have two of them really hit two of them top 15 would be great mm-hmm. yeah and then dave your trades just uh you know bring in what what you did as well you made a, a, a couple of moves is this uh, just during traded, the draft or anything before the draft because both trades both trades that you made okay. involving rookie picks and and the moves that you made so you gave up chris carson carson wentz and Keel harry and tyron johnson plus your round two 16th overall pick which ended up going to heath uh you got you gave up round four which 56 overall and round five 70, 70th overall and you got back DeAndre Hopkins, Eric Kendricks. This is an IDP league as well. And the 45th overall pick in the fourth round. So you basically gave up Chris Carson, Carson Wentz, and some draft capital to get DeAndre Hopkins. Right. And the best draft capital there was 16th overall, so the 202 in the, in the draft. I, I, I'm whenever, whenever you guys don't know this, I'll tell you this. I do a lot of work before our draft in this league. I've got a whole spreadsheet laid out. I mock it. I, I make a list of what are my goals? What do I really need to improve? And I just won the championship. So it's not like my team needed a lot of things, but I wanted to get a building block at wide receiver 
and I wanted to get a, a young running back. I think I'm going to get a, at least one young running back every single rookie-only draft that I'm in. It's the reason why I took Akers last year instead of Judy with CeeDee Lamb to load up on wide receivers last year. Yes, at one point, Jerry Judy was somebody that we actually wanted to draft. And uh, the, the, the manager that had DeAndre Hopkins wanted to move him, and he came to me, and I put together a package. He really needed a running back. And, yeah, I, I talked about having the fear of not getting good value for Le'Veon once upon a time. I was getting decent value here for Chris Carson, who honestly could be a role player by the second half of this coming season. And I love Chris Carson, but I, I was able to get some pretty good value for him. Hopkins is 29. I think he can still play well for at least three more seasons. And so I didn't get a young receiver to, to help my team out, but I bolstered a roster spot by getting DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I mean, again, your team is ready to win now based on what you did a year ago. I wonder, though, just want to ask you, yeah. If if the manager had asked you for Cam Akers instead, would you have done no. it? No. Akers is basically untouchable. And I've had more than one person ask about Akers. And I've just Because again, you, like the, the, You have to give up you have to give up the farm for him. But DeAndre Hopkins is still in the farm, you know. So uh, you know, I, I think And I, I gave up a lot for him. Manager. Well, you know, basically one starter. He got Chris Carson and 16 overall. So Well, and he's listen, I think Wentz has a chance to rebound. I think he's a good guy to speculate on. Harry and Johnson yeah, I mean, are guys listen, that are just you won the trade. They no, help no, me get no, my no, roster. No, trade the trade. You won the trade. So I'm just looking at it from the other owner's perspective. He's in a rebuilding situation. And Chris Carson, to me, is not a rebuilding type of player. He should have been you know, making this a, a, a hard sell to try and get somebody a little bit younger. He should have got, tried to go after better. Tony Pollard. Like, I've got Pollard on my bench. Yeah, I, I would have wanted more for DeAndre Hopkins, personally. Yeah. The second trade that you made, you said you want to get a young running back, so you traded Gabriel Davis, your 14th overall pick in round one, and oh, round four, so 45th sweet. overall, to get to number 10, and you got a round six pick in return, and you got Michael Carter with that pick. And I just watched the running backs fall in the draft, and I figured that the fantasy manager picking at number 11 would be all over Michael Carter. And I, I, I knew that if I didn't move up, I'd be stuck taking Kenneth Gainwell at 14th overall. And I say getting stuck. Gainwell's got some appeal. Half PPR league, he could end up being a passing downs guy in Philadelphia with a chance to be more than that eventually. But given the opportunity to jump up to 10 to get Michael Carter, who I think does have a chance to be a little bit better than Gainwell over the course of his career, and I wanted to get a young running back, I want to keep churning those young running backs in Dynasty, uh, I had to do it. I love Gabriel Davis, man. I think he's got some awesome potential. Took him in round six last year. And so the, the way I, I put it in my head, because I didn't like getting rid of Davis, was, all right, a six-round pick last year to move up four spots, piece of cake. Let's just do it. And so I did it, and I got Carter. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. I was hoping Carter would slip. It was really I know trade. it. I know it. So uh, I ended up taking Terrace Marshall. I think Heath wanted Terrace Marshall at, yes. uh, at, ele- at 11, where I took him. I think that's when you traded into 12, Heath, to get uh, – Miles Gaskin trade. So there's some trades that we made in some and of by our By the way, let me just say, I'm so happy that there are so many trades going on in this Dynasty League because I know of other people's Dynasty Leagues where people just hate trading. And there's like one or two managers that try and like stir the pot and get all the trades going. And everybody else in the league just sits on their hands and it's annoying. So if you're one of those fantasy Dynasty managers that just doesn't like to make trades, you're adverse to it, you don't want to get ripped off, at least be open to the conversation. Talk about it. Write it out at some point when you get an offer that goes, hey, maybe I'll take this. But be open to trading. And that goes for everybody in redraft, too. So uh, just to wrap up our little trade conversation here, uh, there's there's another trade that I think will probably be announced at some point uh, in, in our Dynasty League. It's a pretty big one. That was agreed to, in principle, via text. And now one of those managers is 
not backing out, but hesitating a little bit after thinking about it over the weekend. So as commissioners or as people that just play in fantasy, when you have a deal that is agreed to in principle, however it's done, text, phone, email, face-to-face, should that be considered binding? No. Yeah, like it's not. That's knows the correct answer, but it's um, like the other person should be openly harassed and we should say their name on the podcast and um, make fun of them. But no, it's not binding. But when they're two friends, it's obviously something that is getting very contentious, I can tell you. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I posted a poll on this. Uh, two people agree to a trade via text in the fantasy league. Is that agreement official? Uh, so far out of uh, 5,600 votes, and this is uh, less than an hour already, so everybody's a little uh, interested in this one. So 49% say yes, 43.4% say, say yes, 43.4% say no, 7.2% see results. So be interesting to see how this one comes out. But it's... Uh, uh, it's a text chain with uh, three other people. Two of them are fighting. The fourth one is uh, I'm I'm just sitting back and watching. The right, but the other one's up. probably stirring the pot. Oh well, no. Is uh, are you guys really fighting over a fantasy trade? Are you really that uh, that childish? And it's it's interesting. I'm sure yeah, a lot I can of name guys... the people now. Um, yeah, me yeah, too. <laughs> I, I did another Twitter. Twi- <laughs> there we go. I I have because we had this same discussion. I think we're going to have a problem in this league. So I just got one more thing about the league because it was a hot button issue as I was making these trades and tearing my team down. As you mentioned, Jamie, I do have Patrick Mahomes. And uh, what I had asked was basically, do I have to start Patrick Mahomes if I have another quarterback who is active and playing? And Dave asked this question, this very same league, I think two years ago, and I'm the commissioner and asked me, what is the rule about lineup? Do I have to start my best player? Do I have to start an active player? And I, my rule as a commissioner has always been, you must start a player who is active for their game. Not on a, not on a buy, not on injured reserve. You must start active players. But I'm not going to tell you who the best player in your team is or who you have to start. Now, it's obvious, a little more obvious with Patrick Mahomes and a crappy backup quarterback. Are people going to get mad at me for not starting Patrick Mahomes this year? I think what you're going to run into is whenever that, whenever someone's playing you, they're not going to be upset. <laughs> the, uh, the, the 12 other people in the league are going to look at that and say, what is he doing? Especially as it gets later in the season and you're either helping or hurting somebody from getting into the playoffs by uh, maybe playing Patrick Mahomes or not. Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb and say you have the worst roster right now in the league. <laughs> I, that's what I'm going for. I, I don't want to. I don't want to tank and then end up with a fifth pick. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't want that. But I don't here's, think. Here's I don't think Mahomes play to, that for you one way or the other. Are you going? Well, you never know. Um, yeah, have you? I do know I, because I, Mahomes had the best game of his season last year and he lost because he played against me and I had Tyree Kill and Tyree Kill was the reason why. Yeah, lost. I'm going to play that's six true. games are you this year do against it? bad teams. Are you going to bench him? Every game this year, I think that's the key. I think that's the key distinction. I can't right. like I if you rename your team name is Patrick is Mahomes. You, you need to change your team name to Patrick is not Mahomes, and then you're not going to put him in your lineup at all. And then that's fair for everybody. But you got to commit to it. Well, I, I mean, I I'm, look, back. honestly, I have to honestly, find a backup quarterback. Yeah, I, I wish I had one to <laughs> trade you. Honestly, uh, I I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's illegal. It's not an illegal roster, right? Your roster's legal if you start um, 
I don't know, rant Jake Luton at quarterback. No, if, he, if he's playing Chad Henney over Patrick Mahomes, then we have a problem. If he's playing, you know, your, I saw your Twitter, your Twitter poll, your Twitter question. It was Zach Wilson over Patrick Mahomes. You don't have Zach Wilson, but right. You know, if it was somebody along those lines, the 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 30th Drew best quarterback Locke. in the NFL, right? So Jordan Love, right? Well, it'll be Blake Bortles, but yes, same same, <laughs> same premise. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a problem, but as the commissioner, you've now set the precedent. And so nobody can complain to you about this when it happens in the future. And it is part of the game, right? Rebuilding in dynasty. That's part of it. Theoretically, it's something everybody should do at some point. If you've been in a dynasty league long enough. Yes. Just make sure you get multiple first round picks for Derek Henry. All right, let's go. Let's move on now to (laughs) some AP conversation, uh, continuing that talk. And so let's look at the quarterbacks here. So Keith, your favorite quarterback based on ADP is Taysom Hill. Again, he is uh, the 30th quarterback off the board going 193 overall. You can listen to the start of the show for uh, that conversation about Taysom Hill. But Dave, your favorite quarterback based on ADP is Trevor Lawrence, who is the 15th quarterback off the board, number 89 overall. Tell us why you like that value. He's actually gone up since I looked at it. He was right around 100th overall when I looked at the the ADP value. And I just, I, I don't love any quarterback's value. I mentioned it earlier. It felt like all the quarterbacks were getting pushed up in ADP. I'm still looking for some sort of value, especially if I can get one of the first six or seven quarterbacks in my rankings. I want to get them at a good value. I can do that in our analyst drafts because everybody's just waiting on a quarterback. But it's different when you're drafting with people who are in competitive leagues who value the quarterback position a little bit more. Lawrence, I think, has a chance to have a really nice first season. I like the value of getting him outside of the top 12. Closer to 100th overall would be a little bit better, but polished rookie quarterback in a system that he's going to know from the jump. Offensive line isn't that horrible. They're going to be in a lot of competitive games. They're going to play from behind. The running back that they drafted, they are now grooming to catch a lot of passes. That means fewer rush attempts overall. That means more opportunities for Lawrence. And he's also a threat inside the five-yard line. He can run it in, had a bunch of rushing touchdowns at Clemson. I'm sure he's going to have a chance to run in the pros as well. So I I like the value. I think he's going to, I think he does have a chance to finish top 15, maybe top 12 overall in quarterback this season. He's going to surprise some people with his rushing. Ran for nearly a thousand yards over his three seasons as the starter Mm -hmm. in Clemson. Some guys that he's going um, behind. And again, you could debate this. Ryan Tannehill, well, I'll start at 10. Matthew Stafford at 10. Jalen Hurts at 11. Ryan Tannehill 12. Joe Burrow 13. Matt Ryan at 14. So some young quarterbacks, some second-year guys in Hurts and Burrow, obviously some veteran guys in Stafford, Tannehill, and Ryan. And then Lawrence going ahead of Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz. So uh, Watson would be the outlier there, not knowing if he's going to play or not or where he's going to play if he does play in 2021. Keith, just a real quick question to wrap up quarterbacks here. Aaron Rodgers is the seventh quarterback off the board, going right around 57th overall. Do you think his value will change if he's traded to, let's say, Denver, uh, maybe the Raiders? Is that going to be a good spot for Rodgers still, or do you think it's going to be too soon if he leaves the Packers? Yeah, I mean, if he goes to the Broncos, they have enough weapons. First off, I can't see him going up from there. It it seems like the six in front of him need to be in front of him. I actually have him a little lower than seven. I can't see the Broncos negatively affecting it. I don't think the 49ers, if somehow uh, Trey Lance becomes a Packer, I can't see that affecting Rodgers' value. The Raiders might drop him down a little bit. I think the the risk where Aaron Rodgers' value could really fall is if we get to August and he's still a Packer and he's still saying he's not going to play for the Packers. And at that point, he kind of gets into that Deshaun Watson range. Like, is there a chance that Aaron Rodgers is actually just not going to play for the Packers? Right, but the question would become, is he going to play at all? And, you know, I don't think he's going to retire or, you know, step away from the game as much as Jeopardy may be a calling for him. 
Uh, I still see him playing in 2021. So it ends up being a good value pick to take Aaron Rodgers the later that he falls because he still is going to put up numbers, whether he puts up great numbers, number one overall quarterback, like we saw last year, probably not going to happen, but still could be a top 10 guy wherever he plays. And so that's the gamble that you're taking. And hopefully he ends up in a good spot if, in fact, he does leave the Packers. All right, let's move on now from quarterbacks to running backs. Again, we're looking at the NFC ADP as of May. And so what we're going to do is take a look at one early round guy that you like, one mid round guy that you like, and one late round guy that you like. The early rounds would be rounds one through three, mid rounds four through eight, and late rounds nine and later. So Keith, your early round guy that you like is Aaron Jones, 13th overall. And that kind of ties in the Aaron Rodgers conversation. Uh, Jones is a little bit of a wild card right now because you don't know if Rodgers is gone. If it is Jordan Love, uh, God forbid it's Blake Bortles, but it could be a different quarterback for the Packers. How much do you think that's going to impact the ADP for Aaron Jones? Honestly, I feel like he's being drafted right now where I would probably rank him if Aaron Rodgers was gone. Um, like We're talking about a running back who two years ago finished number two and last year finished number five in 14 games. Um, he's in my opinion, if Rogers like signed, sealed, delivered, he's in the argument for a top three or four pick. So the fact that he's the 11th running back or the 10th running back being drafted right now, I, I, I love that. And I, I wouldn't feel as good about it. I wouldn't feel like it was a value if Rogers left, but I don't think there's a lot of risk here. Even if Rogers is gone, I think he's going to be a borderline number one running back, especially with Jamal Williams gone. AJ Dillon could definitely take a little bit of short yardage work, but I mean, what is he going to score 12 touchdowns instead of 15 or 20 this year? And AJ Dillon's not going to take the passing work that Jamal Williams was. So I think that there's, there's more upside than downside to this cost for Jones, even with the uncertainty about Aaron Rodgers. All right. But so if Jones we, if going, if we knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to go, where would you feel comfortable drafting Aaron Jones? Heath, you've made it clear. You think he's still like right on the fence between the first and the second round pick. I'm I'm not so sure. I think having Aaron Rodgers there is a huge advantage for Aaron Jones. And if the downgrade is to Jordan Love, Blake Bortles, Drew Locke, I'm I'm like ready to puke right now just thinking about it. I think it's going to be a nightmare for whoever's running the ball for them, and they'll become a run first team. But I, I, no, I Melvin I, Gordon was a top thirteen back with with Drew Locke. Yeah, but he was also like horribly inconsistent. Like it was, it was terrible the way that he was putting his numbers together. Yes, he finishes an RB thirteen. He also played a bunch of games, and I, I would be nervous to take Jones certainly with a top ten pick if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. I might think about it around the swing turn uh, at, at the end of round one, beginning of round two. But honestly, I think I'm looking at round two, like middle round two, to. I'm, you know what? I'm kind of hoping that I'm just in every draft with you, Heath, and you take Jones before I have to think about it. Well, let's put this in context of the guys he's going around and see if you like Jones better or worse than these guys. So he's going right now after Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, Cam Akers. So Heath, are you taking Jones ahead of those guys now? And then is that ahead of him now? Yes. And then if Rogers is gone, do those guys go ahead of him? I would say um, I'd probably still have him ahead of Chubb in full PPR. I'd have him behind the other two, and um, in non PPR, I'd have him behind all three. Okay, so behind all three. And then Chubb and PPR. So Dave, the guys going after Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins. You can take those guys over Jones if there's no Aaron Rodgers there? I will probably take Jones ahead of Dobbins. And I'd have to really think about Gibson versus Jones. But uh, the other two that you said, I'm absolutely taking ahead of Aaron Jones. All right, so Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift. I'm taking Eckler over Jones now, so I would continue to do that. It'd be... uh, 
It'd be interesting call to see. And, and I mean, obviously, look, it's going to depend on what the quarterback that comes back in return. It could be Drew Locke. It could be Ted Bridgewater for all we know, if they just want to have a veteran that, you know, has some, that might be the best case scenario. Some semblance of knowing what he's doing. And again, that's assuming it's the Broncos. Could be Derek Carr if it's the Raiders, you know. So we just don't know where the trade will end up happening if a trade does happen. So, Dave, your favorite early round pick is Travis Etienne. He's going 38th overall, the 22nd running back off the board. I just I, I'm I'm excited about how he fits into Jacksonville, just like I'm excited about how Trevor Lawrence fits into Jacksonville. I know he's not going to be the every down guy, he certainly won't start the season that way. I think. To start the season, we might be lucky if he gets nine carries a game, but I think he could also end up getting four or five catches per game. He was great in space at Clemson. They're going to put him in space now. Urban Meyer has just gone crazy talking about explosiveness in the offense. You look at Jacksonville's offense from last year. Where was the explosiveness? There wasn't a lot of it. I think he can get it out of DJ Chark. I think he can probably get something out of LaVisca. I'm not sure LaVisca is going to get a huge role. But to spend the draft capital that they did to get Travis Etienne tells you exactly what they were looking for. And it's that big playability. Find ways to get him the ball in space. You're drafting him as a low-end number two fantasy running back. And I think that just he can return at least that value, if not be a little bit better than that, as a top 20-ish type of running back by the end of the season. Running backs going ahead of Travis Etienne. And again, this is uh, changing as we speak, I'm sure. So. James Robinson still going ahead of him at number 19 overall. That's, yeah, that's reflective of the post NFL draft movement that we've seen in most of the drafts that we've done and drafts that we've been made aware of. Josh Jacobs, number 20, David Montgomery, 21. So it's really more Jacobs, Montgomery, and the comparison between ETN and those guys. The guys going after Travis ETN, Chris Carson, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, Chase Edmonds. So that's the range for him. I think Jacobs, Montgomery, Carson, those are the running backs you'll see going around Travis Etienne. Dave, obviously very excited about the ADP of the Jaguars. He's going to tell you in a little bit about DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, and obviously why you should be taking Tim Tebow. Yes, yes, of course, Tebow. At the tight end. Did Tebow team. make your top 200? Uh, no. What? He absolutely made mine. You're t- yeah. He's not making the team. <laughs> so. I put him right at you, 200. Just you for get free season stats? <laughs> <laughs> All right, mid-round running backs that we're looking I did at. Put we're going to speed this up a little bit. So mid-round running backs that we're looking at here. Heath, your favorite uh, guy that you saw is Mike Davis at 105 overall, the 35th running back off the board. Dave, your favorite is Leonard Fournette at 76 overall, the 31st running back off the board. So Heath, first, first word to you, Mike Davis, what do you like about his ADP at that spot? Well, and we should clarify that that's another one that's changed a lot. He's already up to the number 27 running back. So I still like him as the number 27 running back. I don't, but there's no one currently on this roster who is a challenge. Like Cordero Patterson is a kick returner. When he's anyone has played him at running back, he'll have one or two good runs a year and average three yards per carry the rest of the time. That there's a little bit of steam around JV and Hawkins now, who I think might actually be uh, lighter than Rondale Moore, um, like 175 pounds or something. He's not going to be a running back that takes a bunch of touches away from Mike Davis. Kadri Allison's not going to do it. So unless, like, there's still some danger that somebody gets cut, like a carry-on Johnson situation, and the Falcons actually get him, but they didn't do that with carry-on Johnson. Um, I I think Mike Davis is going to get 15 touches a game, and his thighs are enormous, clearly (laughs) gearing up for a big workload. He might just like we might be overthinking it. He might just be a top fifteen running back this year. He was uh, he was very good, obviously in the thirteen games he got a chance for extended action with Christian McCaffrey out last year for the Panthers. It's just a matter of can he do that with a full workload behind you know good to decent mm-hmm. offensive line 
obviously there's not going to be a lot of teams worried about the run game when you're playing the Falcons. If they hold on to Julio Jones, there's some news about, you know, Jones now may be available for a second round pick. So that's something you want to keep an eye on if Jones is traded. But uh, Mike Davis, if he's anywhere after, I think the top 25 backs, it's a good value pick based on what his opportunity and volume could be for the Falcons. Dave, your guys, Leonard Fournette and Bruce Arians said over the weekend that he's still going to be Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones splitting most of the work. When you factor in Giovanni Bernard now being on the roster and what Tom Brady has typically done with pass catching running backs like Gio, does that scare you off Fournette or is the value at the 31st running back spot still too good to pass up? It's the value because I think Fournette is good enough to be a low end number two fantasy running back to begin the season. I think I think the the Bucks will use him first the way that he finished last year, as long as his training camp is okay, he doesn't get hurt in camp, looks okay in the preseason. Um, something happened to him toward the end of the season where he had to buy back into the offense, and he did, and he got a good opportunity, and he ran with it through the playoffs. You could have made a case that he was the Super Bowl MVP. And he's, he's a better pass catcher than Ronald Jones, so if they want to go into like a no-huddle type of an offense, maybe it's Fournette in there instead of Giovanni Bernard. That depends on how quickly Bernard adapts to the offense. Ultimately, I think Bernard's going to play in passing situations, but I think Fournette probably has the coach's confidence to handle anything, especially when Brady checks out of a run and goes into a pass, and they either need the running back to protect Brady when he does that or be available to catch the ball. And those are two things that Ronald Jones just has never been able to come around on. And so he's a limited running back who's got that explosiveness. Those types of running backs rarely get 15 carries week in and week out. I think Fournette's the better one of the two to draft. I'm not saying to target him, but if you're going to go after other positions early on, I like the value of getting Leonard Fournette at that point in the draft. Uh, All right, so Fournette, based on the ADP we're talking about, I know, Keith, you said it's changed, but we'll still factor that in. So Mike Davis right now going a few spots ahead of Leonard Fournette. Again, the ADP we're looking at, Davis is behind. You'd rather have Davis or Fournette, Heath? I'd much, I'd much rather yes, have Davis. I right, would so too. He, I, Dave, you're in the same camp. Okay, so taking Davis as well. All right, so we'll see how the uh, Bucks backfield looks as we get closer to the start of the season. Then just quickly want to mention the two late-round guys that you guys have. Uh, Jamal Williams for Heath is at 136th overall, the 47th running back off the board. Dave, you got James Conner at 118 overall, uh, RB43. Just quickly, so Heath, uh, I'm sure you guys have touched on this. I wasn't on the show with you guys. Um, whichever combination of you it was, the comments from Anthony Lynn about DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, does that solidify that this is a good pick in this round, or does it make you a little bit more skittish about Swift? Um, no, I mean, he said he's going to give Swift 18 touches a game and that Jamal Williams is his Apex. That makes perfect sense. I, I don't know what the confusion is. Um, no, I, I think you look at what he did, and there was always one running back that averaged at least 17 touches for Anthony Lynn, and there was mm-hmm. always a second running back that was getting 10 to 14 touches, and the way they could do that is they give their running backs more touches than any other team, and I just anticipate that's going to continue. So I think Swift can be a number one running back, and Williams can be a very good flex um, in PPR. Plus, he's for a those, good player. For those people concerned about DeAndre Swift, because he's in that group, as we talked about, with Aaron Jones and Cam Akers and Antonio Gibson and Dobbins, depending on the format, you know, uh, would you recommend passing on Swift if you're in that boat and just trying to target Jamal Williams in this this range? I wouldn't because I think DeAndre Swift, if if he, but if shows, you, I'm, I guess what I'm getting is if you want a piece of the Detroit backfield, which everybody's clamoring for, I would like to have take Swift in round two. But if you miss Swift, I'm perf- I'd love taking Williams in round ten. All right, and then Dave, your guy James Connor. 
How do you see this backfield shaking out by the time we get to August? Well, if Connor can stay upright throughout training camp, my guess is that he'll be the A running back who gets 12 to 9 touches a game. Just, again, confusing. I think Edmonds is going to get that opportunity to be the primary running back for Arizona. He's certainly the better option as far as pass catching goes. But they use Kenyon Drake as a bull rusher, north-south guy, certainly near the goal line. He had the chance to get a lot of touchdowns. I think that's where Connor fits in. And I think a lot of people are kind of overreacting to Connor's last season. And and honestly, uh, just the track record of injuries that he's had. And they figure it's going to happen again. Cardinals offensive line got better. The team needs to do a little bit better running the football. They might want to take some pressure off of Kyler Murray after he got hurt late last season. Connor can fit into a role that could give him some touchdown potential every single week. It doesn't matter who they play because when they get inside the five, inside the three, they can just hand it to him, let him plow for a touchdown. You're not looking for a ton of points from James Conner. You're not expecting him to go back to being the guy that he was. But what if he did? There's a chance that he could. If he stays healthy, if Edmonds can't get the job done, this this is a running back who averaged over three catches per game in 2019 and 2018. So he's got some upside, and you're getting him to close to the end of round 10. It's hard to find running backs that have some upside by that point. I love this, and I just want to clarify, like we – well, I we all view Chase Edmonds as a better pass catching running back than James Conner. James Conner has been far more efficient as a pass catching running back than Chase Edmonds. Conner okay. was five of six in goal to go situations last year. Chase Edmonds was zero for one. It was his first and only carry inside the five in the NFL last year or ever, like in his career. It came last year. He went backwards. So Conner is going to lock up that role. Chase Edmonds, when he surprised us, has been very good as a fantasy asset. When we had expectations for him, and we're going back to that game against the Dolphins last year when he had, I think it was almost 25 total touches. He had 70 yards rushing. It was just a miserable performance. I think it was week nine when he stepped in for an injured Kenyon Drake. It was just a terrible, terrible starting job for him. But he did say on Friday in a, in a story published on the Cardinals team website, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to ball out this year. It's now or never. I may not be your typical 20 carry guy. Not every running back is a 20 carry guy but I believe I'm certainly capable of being a 20 touch type of guy. And so he said that it uh, also said might not see him at the end of game since James Conner could be in there. So mm-hmm. be interesting, you know, split backfield that you may be considering avoiding, but at the right value and Conner's value is incredible. It's not a bad idea to take a chance on him. And uh, as uh, Adam Azer, I think has waffled on this a little bit. He originally said that he was going to take Conner over Edmonds. I think he did so in one draft. I think he's come back around to taking Edmonds first based on the ceiling. But Connor, based on the floor, might be a little bit better. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to get into wide receivers and tight ends based on their ADP. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4100. 
1-800-227-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. All right, let's take a look at the uh, wide receiver ADP here. Again, we're looking at some players that we like early round one through three, mid round four through eight, and late round nine plus. This is the NFC ADP as of uh, the middle of May. So Heath, your early round guy is AJ Brown, 26th overall. Dave, your early round guy is Mike Evans, 41st overall. I don't know how much time we need to spend on AJ Brown and what the uh, upside is for him, but you just like getting him in the beginning of the third round, right, Heath? Yeah, I think in, in a in a half PPR or non PPR league, he's got an argument for the number three wide receiver. He's been remarkably efficient his first two years in the league. Now Corey Davis and John o. Smith are gone. And they didn't do very like I love Josh Reynolds. They didn't do much to replace them. So there's a chance he makes the leap to that 130 target territory and legitimately finishes a top five wide receiver this year. Yeah, love, love, love the upside for AJ Brown just soaking up targets from Ryan Tannehill. And if something happens to Derrick Henry or if the change from Arthur Smith to Todd Downing opens up some more passing attempts. There could be uh, just a world of opportunity for A.J. Brown to dominate. He's going after Justin Jefferson, which I think is going to be an interesting comparison. You know, the second-year receiver versus the third-year receiver, but he's going ahead of Michael Thomas, Ooh. ahead of Keenan Allen, and I think we all have A.J. Brown ranked in our top five. So that's Can I, can I like about break in on something here, Jamie? Uh, sure. Uh, on Undisputed, Shannon Sharp called Julio Jones live on the air, and Julio said he's, quote, out of there when asked if he wants to stay in Atlanta. And he also said he doesn't want to go to the Cowboys. He said, quote, I want to win. So Julio Jones kind of giving away the Falcons leverage here by saying that he's out of Atlanta. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, it's, going uh, to a different team. It's going to change in Atlanta now. I think that's why you're hearing maybe a second round pick is is certainly in the conversation as opposed to a first round pick because they are losing the leverage. They also are uh, past the NFL draft. They're so pulling a Heath. They don't want to get caught with an old player on their team and they got to <laughs> take whatever they can get. An old player on their team. Um, I believe it was Albert Breer reported in his Monday morning quarterback that New England could be in the mix for Julio Jones. That would be interesting if he ends up there. That would not be good for his fantasy value, but we'll see uh, where Julio, I'm sorry, it was Mike Mike Giraldi of the NFL Network said that the Patriots have had discussions about Julio Jones. So uh, he could be on the move soon. June 1st is certainly a deadline that we'll be keeping an eye on. So Dave, you got Mike Evans as the receiver that you like. Here's the 13th receiver off the board, uh, 41st overall. Evans wasn't particularly great last year aside from the touchdowns, but the touchdowns were fantastic double-digit touchdowns. And he suffered a little bit when Antonio Brown was brought in and got up to speed. So you think this is still good value for Evans as a 13th receiver off the board? I think it's still pretty good value. We're still talking about a receiver that can lock up 1,000 yards pretty much every season. He has done it every season, and he caught a lot of touchdowns last year. He wasn't healthy. He wasn't at 100%. So if he's healthy this year, and he's still going to be that red zone target for Tom Brady and a Bucks downfield passing attack. Uh, I I don't see a ton of downside. I don't. I, we've got a year of evidence now. I'm not convinced that Chris Godwin's going to take a ton of work away from Mike Evans. I think he can still be good. Is thirteenth wide receiver is pretty high. I think close to that is good, but there weren't a lot of receivers that I loved at the ADP. Um, 
I, I think he's one that if you're going to wait a little bit on wide receiver, we've talked about this. You load up on running backs and or a tight end with your first three picks. If Evans is there in round four, you, you pounce. He's going ahead of Chris Godwin. For now, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Robert Woods. Uh, this whole group of receivers that, you know, you've heard me say time and time again, once you get probably like receiver 10, uh, 10 through 30 can almost be very similar in what their production could be. Uh, the names are different. Keith, I know you don't have Mike Evans ranked this high, and I'm sure you don't love this ADP for Evans at 13. It just scares me to death because like, Antonio Brown led this team in catches per game last year, which is ridiculous. Chris Godwin was second on the team in catches per game. Evans was a, a catch behind both of them. And we know, like like we said with Claypool, he's not going to score touchdowns like he did last year. Um, I think the past two times that he scored double-digit touchdowns, he had like four the next season, maybe five. Um, So I do think there's quite a bit of risk. He'd probably get to 1,000 yards because if he plays 17 games, but 1,000 yards is not the marker for a top 13 wide receiver. Um, I've got concerns. He's he's closer to 25 than he is to uh, 13 for me. You bring back O.J. Howard. You bring in Giovanni Bernard. You know, we don't know how many targets he'll get on a week-to-week basis. Uh, it does feel a little bit high for me as well. So, uh, Mike Evans, for Dave, it is his favorite early-round ADP guy, 41st overall, 13th wide receiver off the board. Let's go to the mid-round wide receivers. And, again, this is uh, in the rounds four through eight range. We already got Dave's guy you can listen to at the start of the show. Chase Claypool is his favorite player in this range, 66th overall, the 27th receiver off the board. For you, Heath, it's Robbie Anderson, who is going 88th overall, the 35th receiver off the board. And this is an interesting team because they changed quarterbacks in terms of the Panthers. Sam Darnold stepping in for Teddy Bridgewater. They replaced Curtis Samuel with Terrace Marshall. So we'll see if uh, there's a little redundancy there between Anderson and Marshall. Obviously, there wasn't that same concern with Samuel and Anderson. And obviously, Christian McCaffrey back as well. The hope would be he's playing more than three games. So Anderson still a good selection here, 35th receiver off the board. Yeah, because if you expected him to repeat what he did last year, you would also expect him to score a couple more touchdowns, and he'd, we'd be looking at a top fifteen wide receiver. So he can he can lose a little bit of volume from last year, and I think the the McCaffrey thing it's possible to overstate that just because last year it's not like when McCaffrey was out they just abandoned their running backs in the passing game. They still threw it to Mike Davis a ton when he was when McCaffrey was out. So I think there's a small step back for Anderson in terms of catches and yards per game from what we saw last year, but I do expect him to score at a higher rate and he's got the double familiarity bonus now he's got the college coach and the prior quarterback situation going so he had to get all the he had to get all the targets all right so anderson again 35th receiver off the board going around 91st overall interesting some of the guys he's going ahead of uh smith who you know you could debate rookie receiver um but could lead his team in targets jerry judy right after that debo samuel curtis samuel lavisca chanel marquise brown and another guy we're gonna talk about in a second is brandon cooks and the guys that Anderson's going behind, Will Fuller, Cortland Sutton, Odell Beckham, Tyler Boyd. To me, Sutton is one of the best values based on ADP as the 33rd receiver off the board, 85th overall for him. So there's the receivers in the range of Robbie Anderson. All right, let's move on now to the late round picks at wide receiver, the late round ADP based on NFC. And we got Brandon Cooks for Heath at 104 overall, the 42nd receiver off the board. And Dave, you got Elijah Moore. 201st overall, the 72nd receiver off the board. So both these guys are interesting because there are still moves that can happen that can impact them. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Cooks' quarterback situation with the Sean Watson status up in the air. And for Elijah Moore, if Jameson Crowder is gone, that will certainly help his outlook and help his upside. So, 
Keith, start with Brandon Cooks. How much of the Deshaun Watson situation do you factor in here when looking at the ADP? Well, I think like when you look at Watson's ADP, we talked about it. He's the 20th quarterback off the board now. Like It's almost as if we're drafting all Texans as if Deshaun Watson's already off the team. And maybe he won't be on the team, but it's hard. I don't know. I, I don't think we know that Deshaun Watson's not going to play any games for the Houston Texans this year. And then the other thing is they've made some additions in the offseason that at least provide some semblance of a possibility of having quarterback play if Deshaun Watson is gone. Not, not to mention they could trade him for another quarterback, but Terod Taylor is there. I like Davis Mills. I think he's got a good opportunity. So it, I I don't think the risk is very much at all as the number 42 wide receiver because if Cooks was there with Watson and this current receiving core and we didn't have concerns about Watson, I'd have Cooks in my top 15. Right, so steal if Watson plays. Good value if Watson is not there, just based on what the target share will be, opportunity will be. Like you said, they, there was a report over the weekend they're expecting Nico Collins, their rookie, that they dropped in the third round to play a significant role, which makes sense when you look at the rest of the receivers on this team. <laughs> the, the Texans kind of look like your dynasty roster. They have one good player yep. and uh, a lot of junk surrounded by it, and that's not factoring in if Deshaun Watson does play. Uh, Dave, your guy with Elijah Moore, 72nd overall. How much do you think his ADP will rise if Jameson Crowder's uh, – released or traded as expected June 1st. He'll it'll go up quite a bit. Uh he'll be in the top 120 for sure. Maybe right around where Cooks is right now, right around 100th overall, but this this receiver to me profiles as the perfect type of target for Zach Wilson. Someone who can work the short to mid-range passing game. Um knows how to get open, has good burst, has good route running skills, has good hands and can just be open and available for Zach Wilson who himself will move around the pocket and out of the pocket. There's going to be a lot of play action bootlegs there in New York. If that offense is anything like it was in San Francisco and it might not take more long to be the number one guy there, but Crowder's got to go for that to happen. But even if Crowder's there more did have some experience lining up outside and he could do that. And he's got some nice potential. And this is 200th overall, the 72nd receiver off the board. It's egregious. He's much better than this. This is an easy, no-brainer, late-round receiver. I think a lot of it that we see with the Jets is Jets' bias over them not being a very good team the last several years. Uh, the that's still going to be the case. Being bad, yeah, receiving no being bad. So we'll see. You know, Denzel Mims was probably drafted in this range as well and didn't exactly produce at a high level. So they have a lot of moving parts with this team, but I think you're right, Dave. At this spot, it's certainly worth gambling, and this is why you do drafts now if you are doing any best ball drafts because you're taking advantage of some of these opportunities of what Elijah Moore could be once Jameson Crowder is gone and hopefully Zach Wilson is up to speed. I think it is also interesting you know, to tie in our rookie conversation as well before we move on to tight ends is once you get past Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, uh, clearly Jamar Chase being the first wide receiver, you really have – a lot of debate, I think people should at least, over who the next receiver should be, whether it is Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, Shad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore. All those guys, I think, are in that next tier, and any of them could be better than the next one. You know, So just looking at what their opportunity is and what their scenarios could be. And so um, in our draft, it went Marshall, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore. Keith didn't have to really make the tough choice because he took T- Tony and Moore. So has the latter two of that group. So it's going to be fun to see how those guys all compete with each other looking at this rookie class for wide receivers. All right, after a season full of drama and excitement, a Europa League champion will be crowned on Wednesday, May 26th. European juggernauts Manchester United are looking to make room in their crowded trophy cabinet for yet another addition. Meanwhile, Spain's Villarreal 
are competing in their first ever European final as they look to write their name in the history books and secure a spot in next season's Champions League. You can watch the match via Paramount Plus in the CBS Sports app. And for those of you wondering about the Champions League final on Saturday, yep, you can watch it in the same way via Paramount Plus in the CBS Sports app. Watch the Champions League final on Saturday as well as the match between Manchester United and Spain's Villarreal on Wednesday, May 26th in the Paramount Plus in via Paramount Plus in the CBS Sports app. The CBS Sports app is fantastic. Paramount Plus is fantastic. You really enjoy all the soccer action, so make sure you check it out again. It's uh, Wednesday, May 26th for the Europa League champion uh, tournament as it continues to go on, Manchester United versus Spain's Villarreal. All right, let's move on now to the tight ends. And uh, Dave, your favorite selection here based on ADP, my favorite selection as well, one of the guys I'm really excited about, TJ Hawkinson. He's going as the fifth tight end off the board, 72nd overall. Keith, your favorite guy is uh, Mark Andrews, and this is a, a scenario we're going to debate, I'm sure, a lot. He's the fourth tight end off the board, 64th overall. So I'll let you guys go head-to-head, Hawkinson versus Andrews. Uh, Dave, you get first word. I don't have a problem with taking Andrews in a draft, um, especially when it's eight picks ahead of Hawkinson, but I kind of look at those two similarly. I think they're both going to be in a position to get a lot of touchdowns this year. I think Hawkinson might get more targets and catches just by the nature of what that offense looks like in Detroit, whereas Baltimore has added some pieces to their passing game. Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, obviously the top two, and they got some good numbers out of Marquise Brown toward the end of last season. Hawkinson should be available, and we know that Jared Goff, A, doesn't like to throw deep, and whether he's tasked to do it or not, I think he'll be shy about it. B, a lot of his best games the last two seasons came when one of his tight ends was heavily involved. And there's just I just don't think the Lions have enough choices in the passing game to get away from using Hawkinson. He's a tough matchup for defenses. I could see him being very, very good this year. Outside shot of being a top three fantasy tight end, yeah, I think there is an outside shot of it, but a much more realistic shot of him being the fourth best tight end. And when you're drafting him as the fifth tight end off the board with the last pick of round six, I think that's excellent value for a tight end position that half your fantasy league is going to be stinking at all year long. Man, I think we've had this conversation like seven times already this offseason. There's going to be a lot more. There's, it's well, coming. He didn't hear it yet. So I'll just like the thing that, that differentiates it for me, and, and um, I've said it before, it's that we've seen Mark Andrews be really good already on a yards per target basis he's been eight or better every single year tj hawkinson's at 6.8 for his career we've seen him score have the double digit touchdown season we've seen him earn a 25 percent target share um, i did pull back on andrews just a little bit with the effort that the ravens made at wide receiver in the draft because there's a chance that bateman comes in and does what marquis brown couldn't do but for the most part, I, I just think Mark Andrews is the number one pass catcher on the Ravens. Hawkinson might be the number one pass catcher on the Lions as well. But I don't think that the cast that he has around him this year is so much different than what he had once Kenny Galladay got hurt last year. I think it's worse. Interesting. Well, I think it's, it's worse. And the quarterback, quarterback is obviously worse. Yeah, I think the quarterback situation matters. And if you want some uh, more interesting numbers on what TJ Hawkinson could be looking at with Jared Goff. Go back and listen to our episode from last Monday with Jacob Gibbs, who broke down the targets per route run for both Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett with Jared Goff and how much Goff targeted those guys when they were actually out running routes as opposed to blocking. And we know Hawkinson's going to be running a lot more routes than probably what Higby 
and Everett Dix. I come out on this. I like Hawkinson better than Andrews. I just think this is going to be his breakout season. It's not that I think we have these conversations. I know I get accused of this a lot that I don't like Andrews. That's not the case. I like Andrews. You feel like I'm <laughs> it's, both, right? It, it, it's a very, uh, very obvious thing that, that sure. we like Andrews. We like Hawkinson. It's not a dislike of the other. They're both top five tight ends for all of us. Um, it's just looking for at now. we particularly like better for me. I like Hawkinson slightly better than uh, than Andrews. Does, does Pitts jump ahead of either of them for you guys if Julio is not in Atlanta anymore? He will not. No, no. I don't think he will for me either. But it's it. You've got to imagine at this point that Pitts he, he will has a hundred targets. Oh yeah, he will in ADP. But I think the door's open for him to get a hundred targets now. Not sure it was there before. All right, so we'll see how that comes out. And just uh, wrap this up on the tight end conversation. A couple other guys that you like a little bit later. Uh, for Keith, it is Blake Jarwin going as the 22nd, 23rd tight end off the board, 177th overall. And for Dave, it's Johnny Smith going as the 16th tight end off the board, 134th overall. So uh, we get some questions, obviously, more so about the Patriots tight ends. Who's the better of the two? Dave, you're going with Johnny over Hunter Henry as the better Patriots tight end this year? Absolutely. He's more explosive. He's more athletic. They're both athletic, obviously. Um, but I think Johnny Smith is going to get used a lot more as a wide receiver type of tight end, a mismatch piece. Than, than Hunter Henry will. And I think he'll see more targets on a per-game basis than Hunter Henry will. I I just shrug because it right. seems so weird as long as both of these guys have been in the NFL and as, as good as Henry has been at earning targets and producing when he's been healthy versus what Johnny Smith has not done. But the Patriots did act as if they value John o. Smith more than Hunter Henry. So I think that might be right. I, I'm just avoiding both. I'm not drafting either as a, a tight end. And I don't mind. I don't mind stashing either one with a pick after 120th overall. I think if you're taking a flyer on a second tight end, it's not bad to take whichever of the Patriots tight ends that you like. And it's funny you say that, Keith, the way that you framed it, because what if they had signed Henry first? You know, if the, if the transactions were reversed, that Henry went ahead of John o. in terms of how the contracts were signed. I just think it's going to be frustrating with the quarterback being what it is, quarterback situation being what it is, because, you know, Cam's going to run so much and they're going to be a run heavy team that the targets are going to be there for either of these two guys. They're going to cannibalize each other. So I just stay away from them as well. But at this point in the draft, it's not a bad gamble on either one, depending on who you like better. I think John New does have a little bit higher ceiling, but certainly Hunter Henry has proven he has the higher floor. And then we do get some questions, Heath. At least I know I do about Dalton Schultz versus Blake Jarwin because Jarwin coming back from the ACL and Schultz playing the way that he did last year. I think Jarwin sets back into the lead role. I'm sure you do as well based on your suggestion here. Um, do you see Jarwin maybe living up to the potential that he had going into last year when, for me at least, he was a breakout candidate? I know we all liked him as a potential sleeper at least or a guy that could make a contribution to the Cowboys. Yeah, I think earlier in the offseason, I was more in the camp of we don't know who's going to win this battle. And so I'm treating it like a, a lesser version of John o. Smith and Hunter Henry and just not drafting either one. But there was a quote, and I don't have it here, not like a month ago from Dak specifically about Blake Jarwin. I haven't heard Dak talking up Dalton Schultz over the offseason. <laughs> and, and the contracts are not comparable. They paid Blake Jarwin like a starting yep. tight end. I, it sounds like he's getting healthy and expected to be ready. So I'm just going to treat Blake Jarwin like they're starting tight end. I don't think it'll be much of a competition. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. But I just hope that's the way it plays out because I love the upside of Jarwin. And I was really upset with his uh, knee injury last year. Didn't really matter after Dak got hurt because who knows if he would have lived up to the expectations. But Dalton Schultz did play well when he got that opportunity to step in for Blake Jarwin. So 
There's our look at the uh, May NFC ADP. We obviously talk about the NFC ADP a lot, and we'll start to get into the CBS Sports ADP as well as more drafts are happening. So we can encourage you to take advantage of our mock draft product as well. Uh, but for those of you doing your best ball drafts and uh, any of your rookie-only drafts, that's going to impact a lot of the ADP that we talk about throughout the course of the summer leading up to the start of when real drafts happen. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed a little bit of that conversation about the NFC ADP. Uh, we know we didn't get to any of your emails, but we're going to have an entire show dedicated to your Apple Podcast review questions on Thursday. So please leave us a review uh, on your Apple Podcast. Um, uh, include your name, your question, and we'll read it on the show. And uh, we'll certainly answer those questions throughout the course of the week. And again, we have our show for you tomorrow. will be live on the FF Today, uh, Fantasy Football Today YouTube page. Uh, that'll be 7 o'clock Eastern. That'll be Heath, Adam, and Chris. And uh, you can find out what Heath had for dinner at 4.30 uh, with his early bird special. So... Adam will be back uh, with our next show after he recovers from the uh, Hawks beating the Knicks. And maybe the uh, Knicks are able to even up the series at 1-1. So great job, Dave. Great job, Keith. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. We appreciate it. And uh, make sure you check out our next show here on Tennessee Football